0: Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host, Bill Philippo. Joined today by my co-host Matt Philippovitz. Matt, what's going on?
1: Bill, Penn State is 1-0. The first college football Saturday is in the books, and at the time of recording, there's still more football to watch this weekend. So yeah. I am doing I am doing maybe the best I've ever been to start a podcast.
0: Yeah, Matt, you you and I were talking about this before we came on, but like this happens to me every single week one of the college football season, but I forget just how much joy I get out of being able to park in on the couch at 11.59. It, it was a little bit earlier today because Manchester City had a game of 10. But like being able to park in on the couch at 11.59 and just cruise through a Saturday, I always forget how much fun that was. And like I don't know about you, but I just getting a day to be able to do nothing but watch college football, it, it really is the best thing.
1: It was such a bummer, like, the afternoon slate was, like, kind of butt. Like, the nooners were great. There were some banger nooners. Like, TCU Colorado had a great time. It was fun to watch Iowa anxiety set in in the second half. Like, that was enjoyable for me. But, like, the afternoon slate kind of hit a little bit of a lull, but those night games brought us right back up.
0: Yeah, Iowa – Behind schedule on the drive to 25 points per game. Uh, they scored 24 against the worst defense they're going to play all season. So,
1: But very important, Bill. Uh, Iowa's yeah. offense, technically higher scoring than Ohio State's. So keep Te- that in mind.
0: Mm, and, and a lot higher <laughs> scoring uh, than Northwestern's. Uh, That's true. I, that was... Wh- I'm, I'm going to just put this out here before we start the pod. Northwestern is the worst team in P5. Like, they... They oh, are.
1: That's not a debate.
0: No one looks like they want to be there. I actually said you're the wrong person for me to tell this to. I said to a coworker that if not for the fact that I am going to Boston the weekend before, I would be in Evanston for that game because that is going to be that is going to be uh, disgusting. But we're not it'll here a, to talk it'll about it'll be a that fun game. time. We're not here to talk about Penn State against uh, against Northwestern yet. We'll do that in a few weeks today. We're here to talk about Penn State's win against the West Virginia Mountaineers, the Nittany Lions, which want to know on the season with a 38 15 win over WVU. And Matt, before we start getting into anything else, I just want to say, like, that game was a blast. And despite the fact that it was 14 7 at halftime, you know, Penn State missed a couple of kicks, which, you know, kind of an agonizing way to leave points on the field. They did, they looked good, but not perfect. Not, like that sort of thing. At no point did I ever feel like, as a person with a vested interest in watching Penn State win that game, like West Virginia had a chance to uh, really take it to them.
1: No, it was, uh, it felt like, do you remember the Buffalo game a couple years back, where I think Penn State went into the half trailing, like 10-7 to Buffalo? I get, you know, Penn State never really trailed in this game, but it felt similar vibes to that, where like, I knew Penn State eventually was going to pull away and come out with a W. And that's exactly what happened. And I was trying to figure out why I felt so confident. Because, like, theoretically, first-time starter, the defense played pretty good, but not excellent. Garrett Green, the West Virginia quarterback, is a playmaker. That dude was fun to watch. Yeah. And I was trying to put my finger on why I felt so confident. And then I'm like, well, Penn State is, I think, one of two teams in the country, don't quote me on this, to start the last four seasons against a Power 5 opponent. So mm-hmm. Penn State's been here before in opening games. Each of the last four seasons now, three seasons and then this one. So like Penn State's been in this ringer where they've been in these close games to kick things off. So they've had experience working through it. And I don't know if that's why I felt so confident, but it was really nice that I think Penn State legitimately learned a lot about itself, but I never really felt threatened and it wasn't like a cupcake game. I think it was just a, a really, really, really great week one for Penn State and it ended about as perfectly as I could have hoped for.
0: Yeah, it, it ended up not being quite as emphatic, but you, you compared it to that Buffalo game, and I think that's a good comp. I actually compared it to the 2018 game that Penn State played against Pitt. Uh, it was, that was the game Penn State went on to win 51 to six. But people remember that game. Penn State Wait, went what? in 51 to six. It was uh, rather oh, okay. emphatic. Uh, <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> but yeah, they, Penn State went to that the locker room that day. It was 14 to six at halftime. Penn State was clearly better than Pitt was at football, but they just couldn't quite impose themselves in the way that you would have wanted them to in that first half. And then, you know, they came out, they really steamrolled Pitt in that second half. They scored uh, 37 points in the second half. Penn State scored 38 points in this entire game. But that was just kind of my comp for me, where going into the locker room at halftime, let me, let me ask you this, before, again, before we dive into offense, defense, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Going into the locker room at halftime, did you feel like there was any anything that Penn State was doing, not doing, etc. that really had you concerned or made you think, you know, if we get to the fourth quarter and it's 21-14 to 14 and um, West Virginia is driving – It'll be because of this thing, of this thing, of this thing. Or the entire time, did you think, you know, week one, they're cruising. I'm not concerned about any of this. So,
1: a little bit of a double-edged sword here. The missed kicks, of course, that I was like, this yeah. is going to come back to haunt them. Or this could come back to haunt them. I never really felt like the game was was going to get out of hand for in against Penn State. So, the kicks were a concern. But I felt really confident that Penn State was going to get control because of what happened in like the last minute and a half before Mm -hmm. halftime. And I talked to you about this a little bit in our Slack this morning. Penn State, with a first-time starting quarterback and no timeouts, orchestrated a beautiful two-minute mm-hmm. drive. And, you know, they came away with no points because, you know, unfortunately, Sandra Haydick missed a chip shot. But that's a scoring drive to me for the offense. The special teams were the ones who didn't put points on that board. But the yeah. offense went out there with no timeouts and a first-time starting quarterback, moved the ball. The play calling was great. It was efficient. That little screen pass to Liam Clifford where he just makes a beeline for the sideline, that's awareness that I was worried we weren't going to have out of these younger receivers. They went out there, and they kept on making plays, and Aller looked in control. So when I saw they were able to do that in a two-minute offense, I was like, okay, you know, they're going to come out of halftime, and they're going to look even sharper. And and I think they did, coming out of halftime. And mm-hmm. that's when I really just felt like, you know, I know, well, get more you know, granular on the offense and the defense in a little bit. But after that drive, even though they didn't come away with any points, seeing the offense be able to do that, again, with no timeouts, really confirmed to me that this Penn State offense is just built a little bit different than we're used to.
0: Yeah, and, it, and I was, I immediately thought of how many games I had seen that day, that weekend, whatever, where the ones where there are blowouts, it's against FCS teams. It's against mm-hmm. G5 teams. Uh, it, it's against teams that are physically overmatched In every Mm -hmm. single regard. And then I went through and I was thinking, like, okay, yeah, Utah beat Florida, uh, but that what, like, Utah only won that game by 13 points. They were up 17 3 at halftime. Like, Florida was a joke, don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but like, it's not like Utah went out there and just ran them off the field. Ohio State really struggled with Indiana. Uh, You look at a team like, uh, obviously, TCU ends up losing. To, to Colorado, a little bit different. But even North Carolina, uh, they mm-hmm. went into halftime against South Carolina 17-14. to 14. Like It's not always easy in week one, especially when you are going up against a Power 5 team. And we'll talk about this probably more when we talk about Penn State's defense, but West Virginia is the kind of Power 5 team that the way they were built really tested what we thought on the defensive side of the football might have been Penn State's weaknesses and did test them to a little 100%. bit but yeah. because of Penn State's offense it ended up really not mattering and we'll start there Matt Penn State again 38 points on the afternoon 27 first downs a little bit rough on third down went like three for nine but 478 yards total offense 332 yards passing 11.1 yards per pass 146 rushing yards didn't turn the ball over despite drew Howard coming real close a couple of times to turning the ball over mm-hmm. but generally we're going to start with what stood out with penn state's offense and you know we have to start with drew our who outside of i thought from a couple of mistakes that are all really easy to fix I would say was you know he could not have played much better in his first game as Penn State starting quarterback
1: no he he really could not have uh first things first I think Neil Brown's defense and, and West Virginia defense went in there doing the best game plan they could possibly do mm-hmm. and that was to play cover 0 you you know what Singleton and Allen can do you want to try to limit what they're the damage they're able to do running between the tackles i get why They ran a lot of cover zero because, again, questionable receivers, first-time starter. That's a gamble you take 100 times out of 100. The problem is Penn State was ready for it. Drew Aller was ready for it. This is—that was the most impressive performance by a first-time starter I think I've seen in a long, long, long time. I've been saying for a year that Aller is a different level of quarterback— and he showed it. He stepped up in the pocket beautifully. He read things beautifully. When he got, you know, pushed from the pocket and had to throw off platform, it never felt like he made any kind of throw that put the ball in danger. He threw across his body, sure, but it was to where nobody else was except for his receiver. I think there's a, a uh, an over route to Harrison Wallace. That's the perfect example of it. This was just a fantastic performance. And, of course, the interceptable balls that were intercepted are mm-hmm. definitely a problem, yes. When uh, that slant to Curandra Lambert-Smith, that I think it's a little bit on both guys. That was just a good blitz by West Virginia to get him off rhythm. You know, you want to work that stuff out. But overall, I mean, Aller, I have the numbers pulled up, 43% of his completions were over 15 yards. That's insane. <clears throat> Pushing the ball downfield like that is something we would always see in, like, the JOMO offenses, and now it feels like they're able to do that on a regular basis. And, and if you listen to our preview podcast, I, I did think that they were going to try to let our throw a ton and take some shots on some inexperienced West Virginia corners, and I'm glad that they did that. I just didn't expect it to look that effortless for Drew Allen for a lot of this game. He looked confident. He was checking plays at the line. There were just... He was throwing guys open. Those deep curls that they ran a ton of, especially to Malik McLean a couple of times, I don't remember seeing that in the playbook last year. They ran a lot of six-yard hitches, but those 12-yard and back curls looked pretty new to me. At least I can't remember them running too many of them last year, so there is all of these new elements this level of quarterback gives you. And I, I know West Virginia secondary is not great. And maybe one of the worst Penn State's going to see all year, but you can only be encouraged
0: by what we saw on Saturday. Yeah. I, I, it felt to me like they wanted to use this game to let drew Aller and the wide receiver core build up a bit of confidence. I mean, if you told me mm-hmm. going into this game, that nick singleton and katron allen were going to combine for 23 carries uh 121 yards and one touchdowns i would have been pretty surprised by that because it seems like the way that you kind of help a guy or at least going into the game it seemed like to me the way you help out a guy like aller is you hold his hand you walk him through this first game you basically say we know what works we know what we have we use those kind of known commodities to help you so that a little bit farther down the road, you, you are the best possible version of yourself. And mm-hmm. what I didn't consider was that they dropped him and they dropped the wide receivers into kind of the perfect situation to let them go out there and have a play a game very focused around them and getting the best mm-hmm. out of them and building up. Their confidence. Our, I thought was very, very good. You, you know, you mentioned couple of mistakes here and there. There was that tip pass in the first half that probably should have been an the interception. There was that throw mm-hmm. to Keandre Lambert Smith in the end zone that again pr- could have been interception. Lambert Smith, Keandre actually did such a good job breaking that pass up that if you go back and watch, he actually did like the like waving his arms thing. Like a I saw that, and that,
1: that had me dying. That's in that's yes. unbelievable, sicko wide receiver brain that like. <laughs> I got to shift into a corner now. I thought that was so funny.
0: Yeah, and there's there, there was the pressure that made him miss Keandre Lambert Smith on that slant that would have been six, like you mentioned. Like Keandre probably still should catch that and then mm-hmm. fall down and you know catch that, fall down, and not worry about trying to make a play so you can get up, turn up field, and uh, have another big touchdown. Still, Aller, you get that a little bit high. I think the pressure did kind of get them in that moment. And then there was the uh, pass that uh, Trey Wallace dropped that would have been a touchdown where, you know, you put it in a little bit of a different spot so he doesn't have to turn around, go, you know, go back a little bit of an awkward spot. But real quick, is, that was I, that was, was a
1: pretty... That was pretty play design in the red zone. Like, that was Theo beautiful. Johnson out there. And then Trey Wallace was one-on-one against probably, like, some poor safety, and I'm taking Trey Wallace to win that battle. That was really well set up. I really like that play.
0: Yeah. And here's the thing. I just listed his four kind of big mistakes. Quote-unquote <laughs> big mistakes. One... He didn't make any other ones, which is, like, gigantic. And two, none of those were things that hurt Penn State in this game in, like, a really bad way and aren't the sorts of things that I think are, like, going to be a concern as the season goes along. And when you put that stuff together, obviously consistency is going to be important. We need to see him do that more frequently obviously being able to do that on the road, being able to do that against better D all those things are stuff that we still need to see. And after last night, I think we should all be optimistic. We are going to see, but Matt, this game was about building a foundation to build on for the rest of the season. And I think when you look at it like that, that last night could not have gone any better for Drew Aller and Penn State's passing game.
1: Yeah, and you know, the wild part is, I think the tight ends combined for one catch, uh, which is, I thought that was going to be such a big part of this offense. And again, this is just very clearly the West Virginia defense. And again, it's a really sound strategy and concept. I get why they did it. Tried to eliminate Penn State's biggest assets, which are, of course, the running back and the tight ends. And the receivers are up to the challenge. And I think this makes every defensive coordinator look at Penn State differently. And that's exciting. Like, I'm excited to see what teams try to attack them with now that they know Drew Aller can beat you over the top. This is just a really great stepping stone, and I'm excited. There's going to absolutely be a game where Aller goes, like, Mm -hmm. 11 for 24, and Penn State's still able to win because Singleton and Allen are now, you know, able to break free more without there being guys in the box and cover zero. This is just going to be a great launching point for this passing attack. Again, the running game didn't have to do much, and I actually really like that. Yeah. Like, I like the fact that Allen and Singleton didn't have to do much in a season opener against an overmatched opponent. I hope it's the exact same thing next week against Delaware. It's just keeping guys fresh, adding new elements to this offense, and giving defensive coordinators more to think about going into every single week.
0: What was, uh, what was your favorite throw that Aller made on the day? Was it one of the touchdowns, or was it something different?
1: I'll be honest, the Cephas out route that he dropped, that was pretty. Like, that's six if he catches that. I like that play a lot. Um, I mean, the first Lambert Smith touchdown, I was actually – I was at a bar in Chicago uh, with a friend of the show, Ankeet, which was a ton of fun, and some guy had a trombone in the bar and he was, like, playing, like, the fight song and nobody knew he had the trombone and then he just pulled it out from (laughs) underneath a table. Dude, do you know how jarring it is? You're so hyped up, like – First touchdown of the season. It's the Drew Aller era, and then just some bro pulls out a trombone in a bar. Everybody lost their minds. Um, so that one, that one is very, that one is very important to me. Uh, and the Trey it, Wallace one, where where Aller's rolling to his right, and then Trey works his way across the field, and Aller pretty much puts it on the money. That was also very nice.
0: I, I'm I'm fascinated in the thought of someone sneaking a trombone into a bar. I, I feel like of all the instruments, that is probably the most difficult to get in uh relatively incognito but yeah like the the touchdown I'll send you a video
1: of it Bill. it's it's pretty impressive Yes,
0: please please so obviously the touchdown to Lambert Smith steps up in the pocket throws it 40 45 yards on a rope and Keandre just snags it I loved uh it was in the second quarter it's a third down he rolls to his right and this is one of the receptions to Lambert Smith face of pressure throws it across his body and it's just a dot that Lambert Smith was able to bring and it it was one of those reminders that like this guy has arm talent that you don't normally see and Mm -hmm. it helped him and obviously it helped Penn State's wide receivers build up confidence I I agree with you I don't want to talk too much about the running backs I don't want to talk too much about the tight ends I think Penn State just kind of let them be passengers in this game knowing what they have but in those in their wide receivers what did you think of the performance by Keandre Lambert-Smith, Trey Wallace, Malik McLean? You know, the various guys who were able to get some run out there.
1: It it put a lot of things at ease. Like, we all knew Keandre Lambert-Smith had this big playability. He flashed it. To watch him go out there, and, you know, I know he had the drop that people are going to think about, but that's, like, the fifth most interesting thing about Keandre Lambert-Smith's game to me on Saturday. He did so many other things really well. He worked to space. He caught with his hands. He just did a really good job of being the big play down the field threat. Malik McLean, I did not expect really to play that much yeah. in this game. Like, I did not see that coming at all. And to see him go out there and be a... Uh, that First of all, it was insane to me that on his touchdown, it's what, third and six. Penn State has already missed kicks. Or it might have been fourth yeah. down. Whatever. It's, I think, it was third was it, down. Third it was or third down. down, yeah. It was third down. Penn State already missed kicks. West Virginia's playing soft coverage. Like, mm-hmm. the odds are simply that, like, Penn State's probably going to go for it on a fourth down if they don't get it. And for, you know, um, Malik McClain just to find space and then bounce off guys and score from 25 yards out, that was the defense giving them something and the receiver recognizing it and then taking Painting it to the know. house. That That's a big-time play. I really like that kind of stuff. Trey Wallace, he's still my pick to lead this team in receiving touchdowns. I think he played a really... He had a very quiet... What was it, like 70-something odd yards? I have the
0: stats pulled seven, out front. Uh, Seven receptions, 72 yards, as long as 18 yards, 10.3 yards per reception.
1: Yeah, and caught seven of his eight targets. That's, for your number two guy, that's a fantastic day at the office. Again, the Liam Clifford screen. I think that was a really nice play. Um, Liam Clifford... <laughs> respectfully runs like he's in slow motion uh, it was yeah. it just it's a different level of athlete I get it uh, but him working like that I think Cephas it was a little bit of a bobbling catch I want to see him catch that ball with his hands if you go back and watch it but yeah. for his first power five action I mean as a power five football player solid day at the office there's just a lot to like about what that group can do. Amari Evans didn't even play on offense because it looked like he was questionable according to the Big Ten availability report. There's another guy who's going to come in. I think Caden Saunders is still going to have a role in this thing. Again, everything is just firing for these receivers, and that's just a major tip of the cap to Marcus Higgins. He got that room ready really quickly. And really, I, I think I'm not concerned about them anymore, like at all. I think enough guys made enough
0: plays to where I'm not worried anymore. Yeah, I'm excited to see – I want to see them against Iowa specifically Mm. because I think that, again, they have laid down a really good foundation. They're going to build up on it over the next three weeks or whatever it is uh, before they get into that Iowa game against a legitimately excellent Iowa secondary. And sometimes it's just about confidence with this stuff. I mean, Lambert Smith specifically is the guy where confidence Mm. has kind of been the key thing for him for years. But Lambert Smith had a good game. Uh, Trey Wallace had a really good game. And then – The line from Penn State, and James Franklin even mentioned this after the game, they feel really good about their top two guys, and then it's everybody else that they're kind of worried about might not be the right word, but it's everybody else that makes them go, uh, all right, we want to see what we have, we want to see someone consistently do it. blah, blah, blah. Three wide receivers caught passes. From Drew Aller, who weren't Keandre Lambert, Smith, and Trent Wallace. That was Malik McLean. That was Liam Clifford. That's Dante Cephas. Uh One other wide receiver, uh, Malik Mega, caught a pass from Bo Prabulo when he got into the game. But those three guys, McLean, Clifford, and Cephas, seven receptions, 105 yards, and a touchdown. If You'll you combine, if you combine that all into one guy, that means Penn State's top three receivers would have gone for four, 123, and two. 705 in the touchdown, 7 and 72. And you hear that and go, that's like exactly what I want out of my wide receiver room mm-hmm. if I am Penn State, if we are going to have three guys. Instead they have their two and then a group of guys they spread it around to. Again, now it's about consistency. Now it's about mm-hmm. building onto it. They did a really good job getting open. Our did a really good job getting them the football. I think through one game, that's about as good as we could feel about the wide receivers as possible. Matt, are there any areas of concern anywhere on the offense that popped up in their game against West Virginia? Or are you just generally like, yeah, that was that was about as good of a football game as that offense could have played?
1: Uh, Norsead's got to get the snaps down. I think that's week mm-hmm. one stuff. I'm not really worried about that. Um, J.B. Nelson played really well. I, he plays mean. Like, that dude's mean, uh, which was cool to see. But, like, overall, I'm just not... You know, I, I don't want to get overconfident because this could come back to you know bite Penn State in the ass a little bit if they get complacent. And I'm sure they won't be. I'm sure Franklin and Yersuch understand what they have in front of them. Uh, but again, this is this was a really, really awesome performance for a first-time starter. I think if Sahedak makes those two kicks, we I feel like if they would have cleared that 40-point threshold, the general consensus would be that it was like a near-flawless mm. game as opposed to I think a lot of people are viewing it as that was just a really good game. And I get it. Like, I understand that reasoning. But offensively, Penn State played about as well as I could hope for.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you brought up Norzad. He has to get those snaps down. Unfortunately, Alar is 6'5 when he puts his arms in the air. Yeah, that helps. He's like eight and a half feet tall, probably. Yeah. Uh, I I thought the offensive line in general, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. I thought they had an okay game. I think West Mm -hmm. Virginia. Brought a lot of pressure trying, because they knew new center, new quarterback were going to bring, yep. bring things and try and show them things that you can only get used to with game reps. And I think that there were some times where Aller's mobility bailed them out a little bit. I, I think he only got sacked, yeah, he only got sacked one time in the game. That's great, like, you take one sack a game every single day of the week, but... Yep. I thought the offensive line did okay. I think there is a lot of room for them to get better. But at the same mm-hmm. time, Matt, I think week one, when you are playing as a unit of five guys, you are going to be more susceptible than just about anywhere else on offense at having lapses at having one thing go wrong and that leads to another thing go wrong. I think they played okay. I think there was a lot of stuff like miscommunications and not totally yep. understanding things. But I think the encouraging sign comes from, it's all stuff that I think can be ironed out. What do you say?
1: I think I think they played pretty well. I, I actually really liked what I saw out of them. The pocket never, re- on, on the non-design plays where Aller was supposed to roll out, the pocket never collapsed, it just moved, and Aller felt it and stepped up in that. Like the offensive line was able to clear enough space for Aller to step up into throws and connect. And and that's really all you can ask for. Again, it's it's the first game. There's always gonna be room for improvement. There definitely is room to improvement. Yeah, room to improve for this unit. But like I think everybody in on that starting offensive line is a fourth year college player or older. Like, that's absolutely insane. For that, That's how teams win championships from offensive lines that are senior-led. I love that Drew Shelton got a lot of run. I love that Vega got a lot of run. I think it was just a really solid outing. There's a ton of room for improvement. You know, you're not going to win the Joe Moore Award with that kind of outing. But again, it's baby steps to build this offensive line under Phil Troutline. They took another step forward in this kind of game. And I'm excited to see where they are, you know, when October 3rd rolls around. So mm-hmm. it was just a really good first step. You know, snaps got to get down. Communication's only going to get better. And it's just a really, I, I think overall, a pretty solid outing for that crew.
0: Yeah, there was a, there was one fun moment. I don't remember which pass it was, but uh, Vega was in her right guard. And West Virginia brought like a bit of a delayed blitz. And the guy... I think Vega wasn't expecting it, and whoever the blitzer was just like shoved him or like bumped right into him, and he just fell straight backwards and like sat down. Mm-hmm. It was like it was funny. Fortunately, it wasn't. Uh, fortunately, it wasn't anything like terrible. But it was one of those reminders that like there are things that need to be ironed out that will be corrected uh, over the coming weeks. And speaking of things that need to be ironed, Matt, let's talk about clothing. Wow, what a transition. Talk- <laughs> let's talk about Homefield apparel yes the pod's long-time sponsor Homefield apparel if you are a uh long-time listener of the pod you assuredly know what they are if you are a new listener of the pod this is the first time you've ever listened one thank you for listening to us please continue to do that two Homefield apparel premium collegiate apparel brand based out of indianapolis indiana they are hoosiers they watched uh iu play against ohio state and maybe expose a few things with the old Buckeyes. But regardless, Homefield Apparel is again premium collegiate apparel brand. They make really great stuff. Whether it's T-shirts, whether it's sweatshirts, whether it's sweatpants, whether it's quarter zips, whether it's crewnecks, there is so much stuff in Homefield's arsenal of attire that is good for you as a college fan, college sportsman. Whether it's for your alma mater, whether you're like me and you get a bunch of Penn State stuff because you went to Penn State, or you're like friends of mine. Who are interested in other schools and want to consistently learn about other schools and want to know about traditions in other schools, getting gear from Homefield Apparel is a great way to do that. If you would like to get your hands on some stuff from Homefield Apparel, I would recommend using the promo code RLR23 for 15% off of your first order if you are a new customer. Again, if you are a new customer at Homefield Apparel, use the promo code RLR23 for 15% off of your first order. Thank you again to home field apparel for sponsoring the pod. Thank you always to home field apparel for sponsoring the pod. And now let's get back. to talking. Go. Who, who, who Hoosier. Uh, let's get back to talking about teams that aren't the Indiana Hoosiers, namely the Penn state and the Lions. And let's move to the defensive side of the ball. So many options.
1: So many teams aren't Indiana.
0: That that's right. West Virginia scored 15 points, 308 yards, total offense, 162 passing, 146 rushing. Uh, Matt, let's start by going, starting with, what stood out to you in a positive way? Was there uh, Was there any specific thing with Penn State's performance on defense that left you really encouraged?
1: They played better than they did in the opener last year. Like, I, I, I know yeah. that Aiden O'Connell is probably a better quarterback than Garrett Green. You know, he was a sixth-year guy at the time, and the game was on the road. But they gave up 31 points to Purdue last year in the opener, only giving up 15 and, like, Seven of them came on a busted coverage where Dom DeLuca kind of got lost in space. And then eight of them came in garbage time when the game was out of hand. It was a pretty boring game. Like, I think Penn State got maybe three sacks and they were not, like, exciting sacks. Uh, There were no turnovers, which I was kind of surprised by. It was just a boring game. But again, to watch Penn State play a pretty boring game defensively and still deliver was pretty exciting. I thought Jalen Reed played outstanding. I think he, you know, is a... He's a better player than I think I was giving him credit for. I really liked what he was able to provide. And, you know, overall, we'll get into bad stuff in a little bit, but it it was a sleepy game for the Penn State defense, I thought, overall. You know, they didn't impose their will, you know, by any means. But, again, anytime you give up 15 points in a season opener to a Power 5 team, that's a pretty decent day at the office, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think that what made this game so unique is that West Virginia is, in theory, the kind of team that is supposed to give Penn State's defense trouble. It -hmm. is a big, physical, really good offensive line. I thought West Virginia's offensive line played a really good game, all things considered. Frazier's a day they one have, draft pick.
1: I feel really confident that that center's a day one draft pick. That dude can I, ball. He,
0: he, I, I don't know if he'll go day one just because of his position, but I think he has right. a good chance of being the first center to take him. Like he is, you know, Jay, Jason Kelsey-esque. Uh, they, yeah. they they, they, kept running on, on fourth and ones, the exact fourth and one play that the Eagles run, where mm-hmm. it's someone comes in motion, gets right behind the quarterback. You just get behind that center he pushes forward, you fall over the top of him, you're getting the first down every time. But they went up against a very, very good offensive line, one that generally kept them at bay on the day. Week one, always going to be a little bit difficult, always going to be a little bit tricky. And I thought Pence we'll, – we'll get to concerns in a second. Penn State's defensive backfield didn't really have to do too terribly much because of how Mm-mm. West Virginia – through, uh, through the football, Garrett Green, 16 for 27, 162 yards. Uh, they had a 37-yard on that bu- yard gain on that busted coverage to former future Penn State or Devin Carter. And then otherwise, there just wasn't much going on in that passing game. There were a few moments where I thought the defensive backfield, gave guys space, maybe got bailed out a bit, but generally just a sleepy game for them. Mm-hmm. The big thing for me, I didn't think Penn State's run defense played especially well. I did, you know, gap control wasn't necessarily there, over-pursuing. Tackling. (laughs) Tackling. The sloppy. The stuff was sloppy. And I think there's inherently a concern, Matt, when it's the stuff that stuck out in that game against Michigan where they just got steeple. And it's stuff that they need to fix, stuff they need to iron out. But here are the four things that I am going to say. One, first game, obviously, as we've mentioned, is just a difficult game. Two, top two or three offensive line they're facing this entire season. And then the two, no important, doubt about that. The two important things to me. C.J. Donaldson, 18 carries, 81 yards, one touchdown. He was a guy who, as a true freshman, converted tight end to running back last season. Averaged six yards a carry. He went for four and a half against Penn State. Garrett Green, he got his yards on a lot of stuff where things broke down in the passing game, and he had to improvise. And then he went out. He wasn't necessarily going out there running around like Mark, you know, like uh, Pat White, uh, we'll say. And then the most important thing to me, their only touchdown drive that came when it wasn't in garbage time and it wasn't already decided was when they took advantage of a busted coverage because the former walk-on linebacker who recently got put on scholarship was in the game and just had a bit of a miscommunication, which is obviously not, not on Don DeLuca. I think he's going to be an important player for the team this year. You know, Had a nice game, I thought, outside of that. For how hard, Matt, I think, how easy, Matt, I think it was to point out, this is a concern, this is a concern, this is a concern, this is a concern, you go off of points you go off of rushing uh yards per play in the rushing game and penn state had a really really good game even if i don't i agree it didn't always feel like that
1: i think we're gonna have these battle scars of the michigan game until you know we we get rid of the demons i think it's there's no other way to look at it like that's always going to be something we're going to be monitoring because of how glaring it was. Again, in week one, I'm not that concerned. And especially because very few teams are that dominant with their interior offensive line. Like, the that guard center guard unit for West Virginia is probably the best interior offensive line Penn State is going to face all season. And Penn State was down because Izzard, probably a starter for the majority of this season he'll end up being. So, t- you know, when you take that into account... again. They never really allowed the big run, which is what gashed Penn State a lot of last year in that Michigan game. They kept guys in check. Garrett Green, I'll give him I again, I was really impressed with that dude. Tiny dude, took care of the ball, knew when it was time to take off. That's that's an impressive skill, you know. And I don't think very many quarterbacks are athletic enough to do what Garrett Green went out there and just did against Penn State yesterday. So definitely something we're gonna keep we're gonna continue to monitor. You know, it wasn't the tone I was hoping they were going to come out there on from the defensive tackle position, but it, it didn't really cost them anything. It's game one; they're going to get better, and somebody at some point is going to step up and make a big play from that interior spot. No doubt about it for me.
0: Yeah, I, I think their front seven, other than I thought Curtis Jacobs had an a really really impactful ten game. Yeah, yeah, ten tackles. Quiet, a very stack, very quiet lost. ten tackles. I thought. I think one thing that certainly hurt kind of the perception was the fact that there just weren't a ton of like big plays, really destructive plays by Penn state's defense. Three sacks. There weren't
1: like seven uh, yard losses. They were all like two yard losses, which is like the weird part. uh,
0: Yeah. Three sacks. One of them, uh, Dom DeLuca's sack actually was when green basically just gave himself up and you know, DeLuca as he was going to the ground, I think like got his hands on him. Uh, There was that. Penn State, six tackles for loss. Uh, Like you mentioned, none of them came from their interior defensive line guys, which is going to make people feel a little bit queasy. But while it was a concern, I I, I do think this is a concern. I do think this is something that Penn State is going to need to show as the season goes on. It is getting better at for when Mm -hmm. that game against Michigan specifically rolls around. I think if you just – if you didn't watch the game and you just went off of the context of six yards per completion uh 3.7 yards per attempt you probably end up feeling a little bit better about things um any other big broad overarching thoughts on the defense or do you want to move well you don't you don't want to talk about the special teams but we should probably talk about the special teams
1: yeah, nothing else really for me. You know, I, I'm I'm curious to see you know how this group continues to evolve. It feels like they found their stride around like game three, that Auburn game. They figured things out, so that's kind of my benchmark for when I'll start having you know feeling comfortable making you know more informed statements about that about that
0: unit. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Once they once they get to Illinois and Iowa, yep. like I don't think Illinois is especially good. <laughs> um, I don't think. Uh, I, I know. Why did, why did something is... happen last night, Bill? Well, you see, they barely survived against the mighty Rockets of Toledo. Uh but yeah, Jaden 37... rise up. 374 yards for the Ola line idea against uh mighty Toledo. So yeah, like we'll we'll see more and more uh as yep. the year goes on. The schedule does set up really nicely for the defense to grow into this season, um especially with with Northwestern by UMass before the Ohio state game. Uh, but we'll cross that version. We get to it. One actual big concern, Matt Penn state's special teams situation. While Penn state was Gabe Nwosu had a really good game on kickoffs. I think every single one of his kickoffs went out of the back of the end zone, which yep, is six for game. six. Yep. Penn state made every PAT that it had Alex Falcons went three for three. Sanders, the went two for two return game. Just wasn't a ton there for them. I I don't care too terribly much about the return game. My Nick Singleton was able to get, had one kickoff return from 19 yards. Cain Saunders, one punt return from minus two yards. Nothing crazy there.
1: Negligible. When
0: it when it came to the kicking of the football, Sanders Hadick, 0 for two on field goals. Alex Falcons did come in and make one. Riley Thompson, a pair of punts. One went 46 yards. One I believe went twenty-nine yards. This was the thing going into the season where we basically said this was the biggest concern on Penn State's roster. Matt, I don't think we feel any better about things after one game, and if anything, I wouldn't blame someone for feeling a little bit worse.
1: No, but this is the game to have this happen in. This is the sure. this is when you don't want this to you don't want to know that maybe a guy isn't ready for it in game four. You want it in game one when you're controlling the pace of play, when you're controlling how the actual game is being played. You're controlling the game state if you're Penn State. So you never want to see a guy miss. I feel really bad for Sander. I, I really do think that that's a lot of just God-given leg talent that he just has to work some things through, and that's mm-hmm. fine. That's what Alex Falcons is here for. This is a you know an Ivy League grad who's coming in and you know delivered. I, I love the fact that he got his shot. I think Sander's definitely not going to go away. I think Sahadek can still be an asset for this team. But now we know that when the lights are brightest, it's a bit of a different scenario than charting kicks in practice. We knew this going into the year. And now we know who maybe the most sure bet is to connect on those kind of field goals. You know, if you got to kick one from 57 yards out, you probably go with Zahedek. You know, you, you try your luck. But, you know, maybe it's similar to what they did with Pinnager and Stout, where it was 42 and in, it was Pinnager, 43 and out, it was Stout. Maybe you do something like that, you know. They're going to keep – this is going to keep on evolving. You know, none of us are kicking experts. We just know that. Mm-hmm. Listen, one guy connected on every single one. He went out there and tried. One guy didn't. You should probably go with the one who made his kicks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was unfortunate seeing that second miss in particular. If was he tough. just missed yeah, his if he just missed his first one which was lefty on the right hash you know came up came around on it a little too much like i think you can write that off if he makes his second one but the fact that that was a straight on shot and he pulled it in the same exact manner to the same exact spot as he did his first one that's a bit of a concern yeah. um again coming into this season this was something that we were all worried about. And one game amplified it a little bit. It's still a thing that they're going to have to work on and practice and come into games, the punting situation. I mean, there's not much to say there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could just not punt and never have to worry about this, but Riley Thompson, his first game, um, only punted twice. The second one, which much better than the first one, uh, the return well their only return went for four yards, so that's a nice thing. But do you are you sitting here like thinking ahead to Ohio State, Michigan, whatever other big games there are, and like getting a little bit of the agenda because you're thinking about, oh, if this comes down to a field goal, if this comes down to having to pin them deep, Penn State's going to be in a tough spot.
1: Yeah, naturally. But again, I, I don't I, I don't think if Penn State loses to Michigan and Ohio State again, I don't think it's going to be because of one thing. Like, I think it'll be multiple things that eventually led to that. Um, and, you know, it's... I want to make sure I call out, Dazanski snapped well, and Riley Thompson held yeah. well. Like, you know, we'll find positives where we can find them for this unit. You know, and, and again, it was game one. It was the first time under the lights. I am a little bit nervous that, it, you know, if the game comes down to a field goal, you could easily get in somebody's head, you know, if Thompson has to have a big punt to set the, you know, the Ohio state defense back or the Ohio state offense back, excuse me, and really set up the defense for success. I don't feel confident just yet. He can do that. But again, it's a, such a small, like, you know, intake of data we have right now that I I can't, I, I can't sit here and confidently say that they, I won't feel completely different about this by the time the month's over. This could just be a one game jitters thing. I don't think it is. But I just, I just don't know enough yet to really know that this is going to be the roller coaster that we're expecting it to be as things stand right now.
0: Yeah, and then obviously, like we mentioned, uh, Alex Falcons comes out, makes his last kick or makes the last kick of the game. Penn State then goes, uh, puts its twos in. Um, fun quote after the game from West Virginia coach Neil Brown when he was asked, uh, If he had a problem with Penn State trying to score with its twos. uh, This is from uh, Chris Anderson of Ear Sports. Nah, who cares? Brown responded, I took the timeouts. When further press, if he had a problem with it, Brown added more. I wouldn't have done it, but it doesn't bother me, he said. Stuff like that, what what comes around, goes around. At some point, it'll come back around. I don't know when it doesn't bother me. I'm not upset about it. Um, One, he sounds pretty upset about it. Uh, Two, Matt... what did you think? Were you, was there any uh, bit of you that was like, I don't like the Penn state put in its second team offense and is not treating them with baby gloves here. Or were you like, or or do you think this is just like ridiculous?
1: There's no preseason in college. If you want to get game reps, these are the game reps that your guys are going to be able to get, especially if they're in the second and third teams. I'm sorry. It sucks. But with the, you know, with the invention of the playoff, How you win matters, even just a little bit. How you win matters. You know, I think it just helps that Penn State was out there and was able to just cover the spread. And also, you got reps for your twos, and you didn't, you didn't, like, you gave them, like, a full leash. Like, you let them actually run the offense like they would in a real game. And in a sport where there's no preseason, those reps are invaluable. So, it sucks. Like, I feel bad for the kids on West Virginia. Like, that's never fun. But at the same time, like, I don't know, Neil Brown, you make a lot of money, figure it out and stop it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I am a firm believer that the most patronizing thing that a football team could do is go, oh, well, we're just beating you so badly that we're going to pat you on the head and stop trying because we don't want to hurt right. your feelings. Like, right. I think that sucks. At the same time, the drive where Penn State scored with its backups, where Penn State's uh, plays were Potts run, Potts run, Bo Prabula run, Trey Potts run, Bo Prabula run, Trey Potts run, Bo Prabula pass, Trey Potts run, Bo Prabula run. This came after West Virginia scored and then attempted an onside kick that gave Penn State the ball at West Virginia's 46. If you want Penn State to stop playing, you should also stop playing. And you should not be upset if Penn State, with its backups in, with the guys who aren't the ones that have whooped your ass for the – you know, 57 minutes leading up to this, then come in. They, they bring the backups in and they take it easy on you by just running the football over and over. So yeah, I think this is an on story. I think it's, I, I wanted to address it because I think this is like the lamest thing in the world when people complain about how it's not classy to keep trying to play football. But yeah, let's, let's move on to game balls, Matt, offensive game let's ball, defensive game ball. Who's getting your offensive game ball? I think I know.
1: I know who you're going to go with, but so I'm going to give mine to Drew. Uh, First start, this was about as good as I could have ever hoped for. Uh, Really excited for the kid. I think he's going to be excellent. Uh, Honorable mention to me, uh, to Caden Wallace, I think he really stepped up, and I think that's a good first step in what I hope is going to be a um, big-time narrative-altering season. But game ball goes to Drew.
0: Yeah, for me, it has to go to Drew. I mean, I think he had... He had about as good of a debut as he could have. And I think that the thing that confirms this is that people went into this season talking about how important Drew Aller was to Penn State's hopes of getting above and beyond. And after his first game, those same people are talking about how that performance by Drew Aller was the thing they were looking for. And mm-hmm. I think it to meet and possibly even exceed expectations the way that he did means that you have to give it to him. So I give my uh, one on the offense side of the ball to Drew Aller. Defense, who do you give it to?
1: Jalen Reed. I really do mm. think he's flying around. He played a ton of snaps. Guy who was hurt in the Rose Bowl. I really like what he gave them. He, I kind of viewed him as the forgotten guy, I think, because Keaton Ellis is a team captain. K.J. Winston's the young guy we're all excited about. So, Key Wheatley is a turnover machine. And Reed kind of felt like the odd man out. He had a great quote this offseason where he changed his number to number one to play more like Jaquan Brisker. He was briskerest. He was flying around, man. He was bringing down dudes who were a lot bigger than him. Specifically, a check down, I believe, like third and 12, where Garrett Green threw it to his tight end in the flat. And Jalen Reed, who's not over six foot, no way, just goes in there and brings him down on his own without anybody's help. I think he played a much better game than I was expecting. You know, finished with four tackles, all four of them. Is that correct? Hold on. Let me make sure I can read on have my glasses on. Um, this is great audio content. I literally just had it. Reed, Jaylen, yeah, four,
0: four th- tackles, three solo. Yes.
1: Yeah, four tackles and they were solo. So we love to see that.
0: Yeah, I'm going to give mine to Curtis Jacobs. Uh, he was a Great guy pick. who, you know, we did our podcast earlier this week and we were talking about who the under the radar guy is on Penn State's defense. I said Curtis Jacobs, and it was because I think he has the ability to do this. And he came out and he did the damn thing. Ten tackles, seven solo, one sack, one tackle per loss. Just kind of flying around. He had a big game on a day where Abdul Carter did not play up to the standard that Abdul Carter has set for himself. And I think that was a really big thing. I think Penn state Mm -hmm. needed that little bit of bite in the middle of its defense. Curtis Jacobs was able to provide that. He provided it in a big way. And you know, there's going to be a game where Abdul, you know, Carter had a bad first game by his standards. He's going to get right. And when he gets right, if Curtis Jacobs can do that while Abdul Carter does Abdul Carter stuff and Kaelin King, uh, Kobe King apologies could be just a steady presence in the middle of Penn State's defense. No one is going to like playing against them. So no. I got to go with Curtis Jacobs. Um, Great pick. Yeah. Let's end uh, just something a little bit fun and this could be Penn State or otherwise, but a fun thing about college football is seeing something that happens in week one. And totally overreacting to it, only to then end up being completely wrong. So whether it's Penn State, whether it's otherwise Matt, what's the thing you want to overreact to week one?
1: Um single digit win Ohio State. It's <laughs> my overreaction. Um well, why? I'll give a Penn State one. I'll give a Penn State one. Um, we won't talk about Ohio State in a Penn State podcast, unless you want me to, you know, lay into Ryan Day um, and that offense not looking that good. Listen, all I'm saying is, when James Franklin had day three NFL talent, he won 11 games in a Rose Bowl. When Ryan Day doesn't have a top 15 talent, they score fewer points in Iowa. That's facts. Um But from the Penn State perspective, the thing I'm going to overreact to is probably Drew Aller. Like, I'll be honest, I probably am overreacting to how good he looked. Because, you know, in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, let's send him to New York already. There's going to be baby steps. There's going to be a lot of mistakes. This is like the highest high you can start out with. And I think that, not that I don't think Aller is going to be excellent. I picked him to be second team All-Big Ten. But I think I might be overreacting to how good he looked in game one.
0: That's fair. And... Mine is actually kind of related to what you, uh, your first one with Ohio State. I think after one game, I am, I think Penn State's, uh, like, the likelihood Penn State beats Michigan went down. I know it was against East Carolina, but I thought J.J. McCarthy looked like he was in just total control, total command of the offensive side of the football, Blake Corum. Looked good for his first game back from a knee issue. Their defense looked very good. Their receivers looked very good. Everyone on Michigan looked awesome. Again, but Bill, counterpoint there, counterpoint
1: there. They they were so motivated to in in honor in honor of their fallen head coach. Yeah, that's what they're, it was.
0: Their fallen head coach of the school suspended. Yes, that is absolutely correct. Uh, who can coach
1: them during the week. That was yeah. like, they're like free Harbaugh. I'm like, dude, you probably saw him yesterday and you're going to see him today. What are you talking about? Uh, it, that was insane.
0: I, I would love to show that to someone who doesn't know anything about sports uh, and just say like, why? what do you think is going on here? Because they would easily say either one, he died, two, he was arrested, <laughs> or three, he was fired without cause uh, for something that he didn't do, regardless. But regardless, he, he bought cheeseburgers
1: of, for people instead. What an idiot.
0: The other side of that is week one overreaction. I feel a lot better about Penn State going to Columbus and picking up a win. Uh, I, thought, I thought Ohio State's defense looked sensational against Indiana. And obviously, Indiana's offense isn't exactly uh, going to light the world on fire. Uh, but I always thought Ohio State's defense was going to be really, really good this season. Going to take a step uh, forward from last year. Ohio State's offense: three hundred and eighty total yards. Okay, one hundred and forty-three rushing yards. Eh, Twenty-three total points. Two hundred and thirty-seven passing yards. Two for twelve on third down. Kyle McCord, when he was able to just stand there and rip it without worrying too much, he looked fine potentially even, like, pretty solid. But Ohio State's offensive line is just not good.
1: Like, they're – they, tax- Are they afraid to let Devin Brown throw? Like, this seems like well, such a made-up competition, dude. He threw it one time for negative two yards. Like What well, is that?
0: Ryan, Ryan Day had some quote about, like, we didn't want – like, we're trying to get the offense into a rhythm. We're not trying to, like uh, – we don't want to rotate over and over You know, go with the hot. Go with this guy here. This guy here. Just constantly going back. I think he. I think he wanted to give Kyle McCord a chance to like find something, and just didn't necessarily do that. Uh, But yeah, I. If Penn State, if if these issues still exist for Ohio State by the time Penn State comes to town, Penn State's edge rushers are going to get home. On Mm -hmm. Kyle McCord or Devin Brown or whoever it is and it's going to come down to whether or not Penn State's offense is able to put up points on Ohio State's defense and it'll be tough but I do feel a little bit better. I would still pick Ohio State to win because I assume Ohio State is going to look better in the month and a half before then God knows what that game against Notre game in south bend is going to look like for oh, them i can't
1: wait for that game what a bummer the whiteouts be do the exact same time that's gonna be a lot of channels I, I i
0: i i wouldn't call it a bummer but i will i will have it just like on my phone like looking down at it like that um but yeah it'll be uh it'll be fine i think penn state is going to looks like a team that could beat ohio state but other side of it like michigan looked a little bit better than i thought they were going to look so Aligned. That's all. Is there are, are any, any final thoughts before I wrap things up and send the people on to their uh, Monday or Tuesday or whatever day they're listening to this?
1: No. Uh, you know, overall, not terrible day for the Big Ten. Um, you know, it would have been cool if Northwestern beat Rutgers. And, you know, as we uh, start to monitor that maybe potential 11-1 tie situation, that would have been a nice win. Um, you know, overall, just a really fun day. Glad college football is back. Looks like a pretty light weekend next weekend. I don't think there's any conference games. So, you know, excited to the biggest step always comes between game one and game two. So excited to see what a lot of these teams look like now. Uh, it's also weird that like Penn State goes from Power Five to FCS opponent uh, when most other schools are going the opposite way. So space space i monitoring.
0: There there is one very notable Big Ten game next weekend. I can't believe you. Uh, is it Washington Michigan State? Big, oh no 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 no! What Big Ten game is next weekend? Coach Prime baby. Oh, that's not Big Ten. Involving a Big Ten team, yeah, I, I apologize, uh, mm. but yeah, uh, that I, I've, I'm, I, I'm still not convinced Colorado is like excellent. I think they're probably going to be fun. Uh, I think they might run into some problems as the year goes on, uh, but I think they're going to unleash the wrath of God on Nebraska. Like, they're gonna going so to be so
1: fun to watch. That is like that is a made-for-TV football team, and I'm glad that I get to watch them again next week.
0: Yeah, I mean, at Oregon, USC, Oregon State, at Utah on the schedule, at UCLA. There's some not fun games on the schedule, no. but I think every single one of their games is going to be a banger, so at least there's that. Yes, but uh, Agreed. Yeah. I, I think that's it for this edition of the podcast. Thank you, everyone, as always, for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you go and get your podcast. If you use Apple Podcasts, please go and leave us a five-star review. It does help with the algorithm and all those uh, fun things that Apple doesn't tell anyone about. Uh, if you're over on YouTube uh, watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to the pod, like the pod, hop into the comment section, be nice to people over there. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at RLRBlog. And as always, thank you to Homefield Apparel. One last time, use the promo code RLR23 for 15% off of your first order if you're a new customer. One last time, thank you everyone for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. For Matt Felipovitz, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.
1: Go State.